shelter, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength, my shield, to you. Give him a round of applause. That's really good. Amen. Boy, we serve a great God. He is awesome. I'm so glad that we serve him. I'm so glad that he has authority in our life. I want to talk to you just from my heart here. I'm not really going to preach or teach, but I want to talk to you about my agenda. Uh, I want you to know I have an agenda, and I don't want it to be hidden. I want you to know what my agenda is. My agenda is to love people into the kingdom of God by declaring the truth of God's word without compromise. That's it. It's real simple. I love you, and I want to love you into the kingdom of God by declaring God's truth. I don't want to do it through fancy slogans. I don't want to do it through programs not doing it through what we just described. These are just things we can do to serve our community. But I want you to know that my heart is God's word alone. I am growing up in my faith. I'm growing up in what the Lord is asking me to do. And I got to tell you, I have great fear of the Lord. And I've grown through great fear of people into great fear of the Lord. 
I respect you. I love you. I want to serve you. But I don't fear you. So therefore, the things that, that come from this pulpit don't come out of a fear of what you're going to think of me. Because if you reject me, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting the word of God. That's what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus says they're going to hate you. They hated me first, so they're going to hate you. And in today's world, there's a lot of hate. And quite honestly, we're considered the haters because we stand for God's word. And the world looks at us as haters because we have a holy conviction to stand by God's word. But the only reason that we can stand by God's word truly is because we love people. We love them. We love the sinner. We hate the sin. We have to love what God loves and hate what God hates. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. Because God loves us, but because he loves us so much, he hates things too. He hates the things that take us away from him, and that would be called sin. So we, in this church, we, being the worship leader, Jackie, will share this sentiment that we are not afraid of people, we are afraid of God. And we fear him, and we, we revere him, and we want to do the things that please him. So we're going to declare the God's, God's word by his truth without compromise, but what is truth? Well, God's love in God's love, he gave everything in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus left it all in heaven. He had all the splendor of heaven. He had no reason to come to earth besides love. Love was the only thing that drove him to this dark world that it had become. Now, he created it as good. We all know that. We all know that in Genesis 1 that God created it was good and he declared it to be good. We all know that. But when sin came in, all of a sudden it turned dark. It was because of the love that God had for us. He could have thrown us away. He could have crumpled us up and said, let's start over, throw them all away, give up on them and leave and go do something else. But because he loved us so much, his creation, that he gave Jesus. And Jesus then gave his all. I mean, he gave everything. He gave up his authority in heaven to come down and take on the form of a human in a baby form and then grow up then suffer and die. That's an, awful big, that's an awful big commitment that he made because of us. Our love for him needs to be reflected back in the same level of passion. Doesn't it only make sense that if God gave Jesus in everything that Jesus gave up, that God would expect us to give up and to accept in the same measure that Jesus gave up and accepted things? It doesn't make any sense. You cannot, you cannot convince me, and I don't think you convince yourself, that God truly is satisfied with a half-hearted Christian. I really don't think you can convince yourself that. You might think that. You might think that I'm okay just messing around, doing the things I want to do, and God's going to be happy. But I think when you really look at yourself and ask yourself the question, I don't think you can convince yourself that God is happy with a half-hearted attempt when Jesus gave up everything for us. So now, that's what truth is. That's the truth that we're proclaiming, that we are going to go all in for Christ. What that means is that we're going to accept it, 
We're going to accept his word. We're going to apply it. And we're going to live it to the best of our abilities to the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about church for a minute. What is church all about? Why do we come together? What's the purpose of coming together as a group of people? Well, let me just tell you my agenda for church. My agenda is to love people into the kingdom of God by declaring the truth of words God without compromise. And this is what I want church to be. And then we'll talk about maybe what it's not to be. But my vision or my agenda for church is, number one, that we welcome the Holy Spirit to have complete control of everything said and done. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We are a Pentecostal church. We are believing in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit today as much as it was in the early church. That means we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That means we believe in divine healing. That means we believe in deliverance. That means we believe in freedom. That's what this church is going to stand for. There's too much out there that declares the Holy Spirit is not for today. And I'm telling you, he is as much for today as he's ever been. And he wants to have relevance and he wants to have priority in our lives. And it's only as we give the Holy Spirit full control in our life can we ever, ever begin to live in the fullness of Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in prayer. Corporate and individual prayer. We set a time every Sunday we come together without fault and we ask for, we give people an opportunity for prayer. Some people may look at that as a waste of time. Why do you waste the time? We could be out 10 minutes earlier if you wouldn't waste your time praying for people. I'm, I'm sure that's gone through some minds at some point in time because we do it every week. And sometimes what we do every week becomes routine and becomes routine, and we don't do it because we think, well, I was prayed for last week. I'm not going to get prayed for this week. Let me tell you, Jesus says pray and keep on praying. Pray continually. If you want to get healed, then keep on praying. Keep on asking. So what if you came up last week and said, I need prayer? Come again. See, I'm afraid that we get afraid of people. We get afraid of what people think about us. Now, I'm not going to ask for prayer this week because I asked for prayer last week. So what? And let me just say, I'm sorry if my, if my, um, my tone, my facial expressions don't always look happy. I am happy. I'm a joyful person. Just ask my wife. <laughs> but I get passionate sometimes. And sometimes we, we ignore and we let things go. And I, I just want to encourage us all to don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on coming together. If you have a need, share it with us. Share it with the people around you so we can pray with you. What other opportunity do you have in your work week that people are going to pray with you on? You're not going to get it anyplace else. So we have to get it in church. That's what church is for. That's why we come together, to lift each other up. So it's the Holy Spirit, it's prayer, it's worship, true worship, whether we feel like it or not. Wow, that's a big one. Sometimes I've got to admit, I'm a little tired. Maybe I'm not feeling like worship. But you know what? Jesus is always worth it. Right, Jackie? He's always worth it, right? Everybody here that worships the Lord, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So, so, so churches worship. You know what? And our band might change a little bit. We may have drums some Sunday, maybe not drums some Sundays. Maybe sometimes the drums are really loud. Sometimes they're not here at all. Who knows? But you know what? It doesn't make any difference. 
this group of people, Jackie and Tom and the worshipers and Andrea and, and Drew, I'm telling you, they're there for the right reasons. They're not here just to play their instruments. They are here to worship the Lord. And they lead us into worship every Sunday. And I appreciate that so much. And I know you do as well. Tell them that. Thank them for, for doing that, for, for, for sacrificing their time and their efforts to do that. It, it, appreciate that. Here's the other thing about worship. Get involved in it. Get involved in it. Raise your hands. Express yourself to the Lord. Bonnie would even give you a flag. Here's what we don't do. We don't force you to do anything. It would be really bad of us if, if we did give you a flag and walk in the door and say, here's your flag, you have to wave it. We won't do that. But if you want to wave a flag, we're not going to tell you not to. If you want to worship the Lord the way you want to worship the Lord, worship the Lord. You have freedom to do that. We encourage you to worship the Lord in a way that you feel comfortable. If it's sitting in your chair, amen. If it's standing up, if it's waving your arms, we're not talking about the outward. Jesus is looking at the inward. We're just asking you to get involved. In what, and however you're comfortable, and you might get uncomfortable because the Lord might stretch you a little bit, and that's okay too. If you get stretched, it's okay. Fellowship. Get to know each other. Look, look around this place. How many people do you really know here? Get to know people. Church is about fellowship. It's about coming together. It's about getting in each other's business a little bit, in their family a little bit. Get to know who they are. Where do they need help? What do they need help doing? Church is about education. Church is about teaching God's word without fear of compromise. You know, when I grew up in the Assemblies of God Church, it was a very legalistic church. When I grew up as a kid, I could tell you what I believed in. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't play cards, I don't go to movies. That's what I believed in. And I'm not saying that those are things we should do or shouldn't do. But what I'm telling you is I never really truly was educated in why I don't do some things and why I do other things. So church is about education. We come together to learn of God's word of how we live holy and righteous before a holy and righteous God. We learn from each other. We learn from God's word. We learn from teaching. We learn from Sunday school. We learn from Wednesday night Bible studies. We learn from each other so that we can become educated. Why? So that we can have a holy conviction in how we live. Not to be legalistic. Not to have a set of rules. No, but to have a conviction as to why I do this and why I don't do that. That's important. That I understand why I do things. So church is about education. Church is about edification. Now, what is edification? It's a big word. Edification means to build up. I build you up, and you build me up. And as we come together and fellowship with each other and get to know each other, we edify each other, or I, we build each other up. We encourage each other when each other, when, maybe when you're down. Maybe you come to church and you're, maybe you're needing uh, some help. Maybe you're needing some uh, spiritual help or some encouragement. You come to church. So many times people say, oh, I don't feel good enough to come to church. Well, can I just tell you that's the devil telling you you don't feel good enough to come to church? Because when you don't feel good enough, that's the time to go to church. That's like saying, I'm sick, but I'm too sick to go to the hospital. 
No, you go to the hospital when you're sick. You go to church when you don't feel like it. You go to church when you're discouraged. You go to church when you're depressed. You go to church when you've got a headache. Why? Because there's relief there. If we believe in healing, if we believe in this, this is where you come to get healed. This is the, this is the hospital. So we come to church to build each other up. We come to church for correction. We love enough to challenge as God's work, word directs us to. We come to be edified. We come to be corrected. We come because there's deliverance here. Being set free from the bondages that we fight every week. Our days are hard. I get that. It's hard going to work every week. You know, I spent more time in the work week than I have in the, as a pastor. I've only been a pastor since 2009. So I understand what it's like to be in the workforce. I spent 20-some years in the automotive industry. I know the pressures. I know the bondages. I know the lies. I know how hard it is sometimes to live a moral and ethical life in the world. We come here to get delivered from that so that we can go back out into that world to be a light into that dark world. Church is about healing. Healing. Now, healing is, we often look at healing as a physical thing only. But understand that God is concerned about your whole being. He heals you body, physical, mind, and soul, meaning your emotions, meaning your mental issues. He's not limiting himself just to healing you because you have a headache. No, he wants to know all the issues in your life, and he wants to bring healing to all your life, including your spiritual life. That truly is healing. When the spiritual man is healed, then you are healed forever. The physical man will, can be healed, but it's going to die. It's still passing away. So healing is all of us. It's all throughout your body, through your whole, your whole system. Church is about being fulfilled. Church is fulfilling. Church really, in all honesty, let's just think about this for a minute. And again, let's think about it in the right context. But church should be the priority of my week. It should be the thing that I can't wait to get to next Sunday. As soon as this Sunday is over, I can't wait to get to Wednesday night. When Wednesday night, I can't, get wait, I can't wait to get to Sunday. That's the way it should be. If it's productive, if church is being done in the right fashion, it will help create that hunger. I'm not saying that church doesn't happen outside these four walls. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can only be a Christian in the church. No, but I'm saying that when you come together, there should be a unity, there should be a calling, a hunger to come together with people that have, are like-minded. Church can be very productive. You can have church in your workplace, and I encourage you to, actually. You can have church at home, and I encourage you, because home's very important. But church in itself should be a highlight of our week. We're commanded to come together on a regular basis. Church should be our priority. And then the last thing about what church should be, church should be convicting. Church should convict you. <laughs> when you walk into church, 
because we're educating, because we're fellowshipping, because we're doing all these things that we're doing, because we're doing these things with the heart of God, I should walk into church and I should walk out being a little bit different than I came in. If I'm walking out the same as that I came in, then church really isn't very effective. But church should have a sense of conviction to it. I know some would say they feel like they never measure up. Well, I don't ever measure up. I mean, in all honesty, if I'm looking at this to be how good I feel about myself, I don't know that I can say that I ever really measure up because I'm always attaining to something bigger. So church should have a level of conviction to it. Now, what is church not? What is church not? Church is not programs. Church is not boring. You know, the old issue is if you want to get something, the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out. True. The old issue is you want to be, if you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. Same thing. Church is not about the pastor. Church is not about me or any pastor that's ever been here. And at the same time, church is not about you. <laughs> it's not about the parishioner. Church is not about just pleasing people by tickling their ears with a happy, slappy message. Because here's the deal. Church is, is not about making people feel good when they're dealing with the sin they're living in. You see, if you're dealing with a sin in your life, if you're dealing with something going on in your life, and if you expect to watch, walk out of church happy, then has the pastor really done anything for you? It's not about the happy feeling about how we can be happy in our sin. It's about the conviction we can feel about the freedom when we get out of our sin. That's what church is. I can tell you very honestly that every message that I've spoken here from this, from this pulpit has been prayed over and studied over, asking the Holy Spirit to give direction. Have I ever missed it? Probably. But it's not because I haven't asked. <laughs> I really work hard, and I study hard, and I take this very serious. This is not something to be played with. I, I know there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand before the Lord, and I'm going to give an, a special account of myself, and He's going to hold me at a higher level because... I accepted the call to be a pastor. Therefore, it gives me great fear and great trepidation because I fear that. I want the Lord to say, Mike, you did a good job. One other thing about you need to recognize about church is that this is a one-room schoolhouse. All right? There are preschoolers and there are graduate students spiritually in this room. And you have to recognize that a message that's being spoken Maybe for somebody else that particular day, and maybe not, not, maybe not be for you. Maybe it's at a different level than maybe where you're at. Maybe it's higher, maybe it's lower. But as you mature, you should be able to recognize that and not be offended by that. If a word is off-base to you or doesn't make sense to you, well, look at the person next to you, and maybe it's exactly what that person needed to hear. You really don't know what the next person next to you is dealing with. You don't know what his issues are. And I don't know them either. And I will tell you that I have never preached to a person sitting in the pew. I have preached about issues 
I have taught about concerns, about issues, and if you happen to be going through them, don't think that I'm reading your mail and I'm preaching to you. It may come across that way, but that's the power of the Holy Spirit coming across that way. So just know that we're not really trying to do anything to upset you. <laughs> we're just trying to be that mouthpiece that the Lord, what the, that's what the Lord wants. If you would turn in your Bible to, re, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Beginning of verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, this is Paul speaking, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name, every, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the sun. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God their Father. But then Paul continues on, and he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and a depraved generation. So we are as church people to not think about it's all about ourselves, but we are to serve others as Christ served us. The other thing that drives me as a pastor is the urgency of the time that we live in. We, none of us know how close we really are to the return of the Lord. Or, if that's too much for you, how many heartbeats you have left in your heart. Either way, it's going to be your rapture. So I will guarantee you, you will see the rapture. Maybe the corporate rapture, but personally you will have your own. And you, none of us know when that comes. 2 Timothy, turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy. I love this passage. I love 2 Timothy primarily because it is, it is the last book, it is the last writing that Paul had writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, before Paul died. So this is the, the, this is the last things that Paul was going to say. So I would imagine these are pretty important things. So Paul talks to us about the times that we're living in. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read quite a bit here because this is important. This talks to us about the days that we live in today. And this talks about the urgency of the hour. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, 
treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here's a big one coming up. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then it says, have nothing to do with them. This is the type of living that we're in right now, guys. Did you not hear that list? It seems so familiar to us. But then it goes on. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women or people who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now this is the charge that Paul gives to Timothy in this regard. Timothy, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Listeria? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone, listen to this, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, Timothy, you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's, what, that's the mission of the church, okay? All Scripture is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A little bit more here. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Man, this is pretty powerful stuff. I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears wants to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, <laughs> but you, Center Point Assembly, but you, the faithful church, you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. That's what this church is about. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Father, for the things that you've put our hands to. And Lord, your word is full of instruction. Man, we could go on and on and on going into different words of how you encourage us and rebuke us and teach us and edify us and build us up but then discipline us because we continue to need that. So I pray, Lord, that we as a church would receive your word and that we would receive the things that you've established for us and that we would be willing and, and ready to receive and apply the things. That, Lord, that we would not um, get bitter, we would not backbite, we would not slander, we would not gossip, we would not talk about things that are out of school, but Lord, that we would come to you with humbleness and surrender and say, Jesus, I'm all in. 
I want what you have for me, and I want it all. So I pray, Father, that that would be the heart and the purpose of Centerpoint Assembly, of this church, or the churches that we belong to for visiting, that that's exactly who we are about. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day now. We thank you for the blood of Christ that shed for us freely. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in it today in victory, really recognizing your, your mercy, your grace, the joy that's set before us. We declare your goodness and we love you, Jesus. Just go with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, what love, no greater love, grace how can